you hear the music, you know the show. Welcome to another edition of Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. As you can tell, I am not Ray Ellis. I am Willie Gibson. Uh, Ray is um, away celebrating uh, the, the Labor Day holiday with his family. Uh, thank him for allowing me this opportunity to, to sit in for him. Uh, Ray will be back soon, but for this hour, we will get into the football season, which is upon us once again. Training camp is over. Preseason is over. Cutdown day is over. And now we get ready for the regular season. NFL regular season begins on Thursday, September 6th. With the, and I know this makes Ray tremendously happy to hear me say this. Defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles open the season to um, defend their title at home, they raised the banner and uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. So, that, and a lot of people, Labor Day is, is traditionally known as the unofficial end of summer, and the beginning of the football season is is known as the un, the uh, untraditional um, beginning of fall. So, football is upon us. We'll get into that as well. Uh, Jeffrey Helms is joining me today and in Ray's absence. Jeffrey, how are you today, sir? Jeffrey, are you there? Right, well, we get Jeffrey back with us. Um, Jeffrey, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Can you hear me? Yes, we got you. We got you. There you go. How's everything, sir? Great. Great. Enjoying this warm weather at the tail end of summer, so it's going really good. Absolutely, and absolutely, as you being a, a football player yourself, um, the NFL is upon us. They've stated the Philadelphia Eagles kick off the season in defense of their Super Bowl championship on Thursday against the Atlanta Falcons, um, but we'll get into the on-the-field NFL side of it here in a moment, but was taking the forefront of the news cycle as a player that hasn't played NFL football in two years. And that's uh, Colin Kaepernick. He, um, on Monday night, uh, Nike released a ad campaign featuring uh, the free agent quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, with a slogan. That's just part of the uh, 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. Uh, and Nike has selected... Uh, 30 athletes to uh, be a part of this uh, and the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. Colin Kaepernick uh, being the first one that had his slogan released. And it was a, a black and white picture of, of Colin. Pretty poignant when uh, you read the slogan attached to it. And it states, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And then in most respects, you can look at Colin Kaepernick and and pretty, pretty much say that his stance and his belief and what he believes in has pretty much uh, caused him to sacrifice everything professionally. He hasn't played football in over two years. Um, Nike, we later found out that they continuously stuck by him, continued to honor his endorsement contract by paying him, and as a part of this new campaign, uh, signed him to a new multi-year deal on par with one of the uh, deals of an NFL superstar um, rumored to be in the millions of dollars along with um, 
along with resi residual income as well. So, uh, Jeffrey, I know you and I were, were together when uh, uh, on yesterday when this news broke as far as Kaepernick and uh, the new ad campaign. And, and just, uh, share with us your thoughts. It's, uh, I don't know if, I, if shocking is the right word. Because a lot of what I'm seeing now is people think that uh, Nike is just now finding Colin Kaepernick and all that, but that's not the whole adage of the story. Because I think what the whole inner Nike's doing, um, I think that with Nike and Colin Kaepernick, with Nike doing this uh, ad campaign with them, they're kind of like taking over, sort of say, from Colin Kaepernick. And so now I think the narrative is going to be more of what's Nike have to say about the whole protesting and Colin Kaepernick is probably going to fall back because Nike is more of a household man than Colin Kaepernick and Nike will kind of be pushed forward and Colin Kaepernick will kind of move more towards the rear. It's an interesting point that uh, so you, that Nike would take the forefront on this and uh, I don't know and then of course you had the, the pundits come out and and their protest of Nike. Um, some people I saw uh, cutting Nike swooshes off of socks, which I don't know if that, I mean, that necessarily constitutes a, a protest or a boycott of Nike. I saw um, people setting on fire uh, Nike uh, shoes, but, and to each his own, but uh, I, I don't remember who it was, but the, the Nike shoes weren't necessarily of the, the most popular ilk, a Jordan or a LeBron or a KD. And so to that point, I don't remember who made the comment, but if it, you know, they, the person mentioned that this was a true uh, protest of, you, of, of Nike, you would uh, set 30 pairs of, of Air Jordans on fire or 30 pairs of KDs or LeBrons on fire, not one pair of the of the Air Monarchs on fire. So, and, and, and to each his own, you know, by no means we don't uh, criticize those that uh, choose to protest in, in whichever way uh, they choose to do. But speaking of protest, uh, Jeffrey, it's funny, and I've, I've always said this um, in, in recent months, speaking on Kaepernick and, and the movement and the protest of the national anthem and things of that nature, I think the narrative has been lost on what truly Colin Kaepernick was protesting and why he took the steps that he took uh, in order to the uh, kneeling. And, and, and in this, in this uh, research for, for today's show, I went back to uh, 2016, the 2016 preseason, actually, um, August 26, 2016, to, to be exact. And comments of, of Colin Kaepernick, and then I'll read them briefly here as far as why he refused to stand for the National Anthem, and, and to kind of give a little context to it, he didn't always kneel, and we'll get into why he chose mm -hmm. to kneel, and why he decided to kneel in a moment, but initially, his protest was he would sit during the National Anthem. The first game he yeah. sat, no one noticed it. No one paid attention to it. No one even knew that he was protesting because he, he didn't cost uh, draw attention to himself. He sat down behind the bench during the national anthem. It was only the second game that someone saw him, a camera crew picked up on it, and that's when the questions began. 
And so his, his comments were, were simply this. Um, I'm, I am not going to stand up to show pride in the flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, Kaepernick told NFL media in an exclusive interview after the game. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. So those are the, step, those are the reasons that constituted his protest, that, that began Colin Kaepernick's protest, not anything else, not disrespect of, 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 of the veterans, not disrespect of the military, not disrespect. He, he simply controls this venue, this avenue to draw attention to what he saw as oppression of black people and people of color. Exactly. So, and you look at it, and, and the more interesting part to me, uh, Jeffrey, than that, those are his statements, but it's funny how the narrative has again changed because the NFL, the, first of all, the 49ers issued a statement, and this is again, um, August 26, 2016, the 49ers issued a statement about Colin Kaepernick's decision, quote, the national anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony. I'll get to that in a moment. It is an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties we are afforded as its citizens and respecting such American principles as freedom of religion and freedom of oppression. We recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the national anthem. Now, conversely, the NFL also released a statement back in 2016 that stated, quote, Players are encouraged but not required to stand during the playing of the National Anthem. One sentence, quote, from the NFL in 2016. So that just kind of gives a little context to the protest that Colin Kaepernick began. And now, I mean, Jeffrey, it's seemingly out of control where um, it's not even anything that remotely resembles the, the, the comments that I just read from two years ago. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Along with like the Colin Kaepernick protest and everything, like you said, the narrative is starting to get lost because, like you said before, when he was doing it, well, the reason why he is protesting is because of the police brutality and um, the unlawful arrest and all that kind of stuff. And when people see him taking a knee with, uh, at the flag or national anthem they automatically assume that it's in reference to the flag itself and they're disrespecting the flag, but they don't, people don't dig deeper to see, okay, why is he protesting the flag or why is he protesting to begin with? They just see him take a knee during the national anthem and automatically assume, oh, he hates the military, oh, he hates America, but it kind of works against them because knowing how people are in today's society, they don't always seem to take the extra step to figure out the real root of a situation or the real root of somebody's reasoning of doing something. Right. It's easier to criticize. It's easier to, to not know. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's easier to not know and to, to, to point fingers or criticize and be critical versus to take I'm not going to tell you as well. I, I literally 
and researching for today discovered this information and I, I it, it brought me back like and this is exactly why he was doing it and 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 to just to get a little bit on on the uh the statement of the 49ers as far as the national anthem is and always will be a special part of the pregame ceremony i mean to be honest with you it was not a part of the pregame ceremony until uh 2012 i believe when the United States Department of Defense paid the NFL $5.4 million to include yep. a pregame ceremony that included the national anthem. So it has not always been part of the pregame ceremony, only when it became uh, capitalistically beneficial for the league did it become a part of the pregame ceremony. So uh, I think that that narrative, um, again, is selective. It's selective. You, you choose the pieces of the, negative, the narrative that fit your argument, but I mean, that, I mean, all sides have to be told and, and to be blunt about it, the national anthem is only a part of the pregame ceremony because of financial considerations. Exactly, yeah, because that's kind of the, a sticky situation that the, that the league is in that people don't realize is that the NFL kind of got paid to do the national anthem and do the whole American flag ceremony and all that. And so it makes you think if they weren't approached about that, would there still be, would there be a national anthem today in the NFL? Exactly. And that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll get into uh, more of this, this topic. This topic is, is extremely um, layered, has many, many layers uh, that that we can get into, and we will do so on the other side of this break. Again, you are listening to Rail the Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. I am Willie Gibson filling in today for Ray along with Jeffrey Helms. Please stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. flagship station for sports voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com 
Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, welcome back to Rayla Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. And this is Willie Gibson filling in for Ray today along with Jeffrey Helms. And we begin the show discussing the Nike 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign now there's 30 athletes. We don't actually know who all the 30 athletes are that they've chosen for this campaign of, of the Just Do It uh, 30th anniversary. But we do know one. The one is Colin Kaepernick. Uh, his, his ad was released on Monday evening. and simply a photo of him with the tagline, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And... Jeffrey and I have discussed our thoughts on it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. Uh, please give us a call here at uh, Voice America Rail of Sports at 888-346-9144. And that's 888-346-9144. Love to hear your thoughts. Always uh, open to Twitter as well. My Twitter handle was at WillGibson7 at W-I-L-L-G-I-B-S-O-N, the number seven. Love to hear your thoughts as well. But, Jeffrey, we were talking over the break, just getting back to um, the Nike portion that we've talked about, uh, the, the beginning of, of Colin Kaepernick's protest and how, what it, why it began, why he began to do what he did. Uh, but we were talking off, off on during the break about the, the protest of Nike. And now, you know, Nike and, and just... The, the boldness of Nike and the, and the confidence of Nike to step out and take on this challenge of we know the backlash is coming, but we're going to stand on our stand our ground and our principles and what we believe in featuring Colin Kaepernick. Now he's featuring him, uh, we found out that he's been uh, under this contract. Through the two years he hasn't been playing football, he had an endorsement deal with Nike that they honored and continue to pay him and not only, again, pay him, but have re-signed him to a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal. But uh, given to, you know, you, you shared some thoughts with us on as, as far as Nike and, and, and the protest that, that people's, people have begun against them. Yeah, just saying how when people, it seems like when a lot of people start to protest different products and different brands, they tend to go along the go to the route of destroying the product or the item and thinking that has some sort of impact on the company itself when in reality 
my perspective is I don't think that for Nike, for example, since we're talking about it, they probably, they don't want you to burn or damage their product. But once you use your own money to purchase the product, it's kind of like, all right, do what you want with it because you already gave us your money for our product. What you do with it is your of your choice. So when you burn a product, even though it's supposed to be symbolic, it doesn't really send a message because if you want to send a message to a company or a brand, then don't buy anything of theirs anymore. Don't burn what you already have because you're just burning your own property and your own product. Exactly, exactly. And I'm looking here at the uh, NASDAQ, actually, actually, New York Stock Exchange, rather, pardon me. Um, the, the big story this morning was Nike stock open 2% down uh, than it was yesterday. And looking at it, it closed at uh, $79.60, down 3.16%, which in the stock market, I mean, that that's negligible. It can be up 7%. By tomorrow morning, so you know that again, using pieces of information to fit the narrative that we want to um, expound upon. And Nike, you know, stocks go up and down each and every day. So to to use that piece as Nike stock is going down to to paint a picture that the protest is working, um, I, I think is is lazy lazy journalism at best. But um, going back to uh, the, the Kaepernick piece. Um, now, I guarantee you, just going on the field, it's funny, but we've talked, uh, we've been on the air 23 minutes, and we haven't mentioned the fact that he's a football player, that he actually played in the, yeah. in the NFL, that he uh, lost his job, and now with this uh, light, spotlight being uh, shined upon him and once again do you think that Colin Kaepernick plays in the NFL again? Uh, I don't think so Hmm. because when he was before he stepped away so to say from the league he did walk away from 14 million dollars so when people say he's getting kind of like blacklisted from the NFL it's not true because Colin Kaepernick can be in the NFL right now if he would have signed that contract for $14 million, but he walked away from it. And so there, it kind of hurt him from that standpoint. And two, he, he wasn't as elite as he was when he first popped onto the scene. He was starting to decline. So I think he may, he might not be done. He might be done in the league because one, like I said, he's starting to decline. And two, it does kind of bring extra and added media attention to whoever team signs him because of his stance on the um, American flag and him taking a knee. And it brings a lot of extra media and foot traffic and a lot of talk surrounding off the field during the season. So, I think a lot of owners and GMs just don't want that extra talk in, for lack of a better term, baggage to say when it comes with Colin Kaepernick. I understand. I get it. And just looking at the league, what I can say is this. I guarantee this morning 
16 to 18 of 32 NFL teams had conversations about Colin Kaepernick this morning. I, I just, I truly believe that based on the fact that this ad campaign from Nike kind of thrust him back into the um, limelight, spotlight, if you will, I think he was discussed. I don't know to what extent. I don't know um, in what ways he was discussed, but I'm pretty sure conversations were initiated about Colin Kaepernick this morning in the NFL front offices based on this com- based on this ad campaign. Now, I would disagree with you respectfully, but I do believe he plays the, in the uh, NFL again. And just looking at the, the roster of teams, looking at the staffs, looking at the depth charts, I'll go on another limb even further and, and call a name. I think the Buffalo Bills will sign Colin Kaepernick. You look at their quarterback situation, they started, they're starting a second-year quarterback in Nathan Peterman. Um, they're starting, they started the preseason, they signed um, uh, A.J. McCarron, as a free agent, he did not work out. They traded him to Oakland, where he's now the backup. Uh, they traded prior to uh, the draft. They traded uh, Tyrod Taylor, last year's starting quarterback, who took them to the playoffs. They traded him to the Cleveland Browns, where he's now the starter. Now you have Nathan Peterman, second-year guy. His backup is Josh Allen, a rookie. Uh, they're bringing in, I believe, Paxton Lynch today for a workout, a third-year guy. You don't have that veteran there to guide, to consult, to, to direct and instruct the young guys. And also, to that point, uh, the owner, the ownership group of uh, the Buffalo Bills, uh, Terry and Kim Pegula, they are owners that have been very supportive of their teams, uh, Thoughts and responses to the, the national anthem situation. I think I don't think that the, the situation will be too big for them. I don't think that the, the scrutiny or the media attention uh, they would run from. I think they will be comfortable with bringing in Colin Kaepernick. So I, I just based on that information. Now, would you have told if you had asked me this prior to yesterday? I don't know if I would be so confident. But again, just looking at it and researching for. Today, I think the Buffalo Bills have a, a, a infrastructure set up to, A, handle the, the media crush that would occur, and then, two, on the field, looking at that offense, Brian Dable, uh, new offensive coordinator, was previously the offensive coordinator in uh, Alabama for the University of Alabama, uh, Crimson Tide, and, and Nick Saban. So his offense... Is he's used to using uh, athletic um, run pass uh, quarterbacks, so that remains to be seen. And as I'm talking to you now, the NFL has just released a new statement based on um, the Colin Kaepernick ad, and I'll read it quickly. The National Football League believes in dialogue, understanding, and unity. We embrace the role and responsibility of everyone involved with this game to promote meaningful, positive change in our communities, said Joshua Moore, the NFL's Executive Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs. 
the social justice issues that Colin and other professional athletes have raised deserve our attention and action. That statement was just released moments ago by the National Football League in response to the Colin Kaepernick uh, Nike ad. Jeffrey, I know you're just hearing it. I'm just reading it. I know if you're just quickly, um, we're up against the break. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on that statement from the NFL? It kind of is kind of like a politically correct, kind of like a neutral statement to say by the NFL because they're not saying that they fully support what he actually is saying. They're just saying that they support that they're basically they're saying they're glad that they're using their their kind of spotlight to send a message, whether it be good or bad. So it seems they're kind of saying neutral, just so that they're not in the place where they're like, oh, they haven't said anything yet. Just getting something out there just to kind of cover their bases. Exactly. So, I mean, it remains to be seen. But just again, I do believe that he will play again. I do believe it's with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, just again, that, that offense on the field is, is, is an offense that's conducive to the skills of Colin Kaepernick. I believe that the front office as well as the ownership group in Buffalo is, is structured in a manner in which they will be able to handle the media crush and, and the questions and the scrutiny uh, coming with signing the cop. Not every front office and NFL organization will be prepared or nor equipped to handle that. But I believe that that ownership group in that front office and that organization would be. So it remains to be seen. But, uh, on that note, we are up against the break. Again, you are listening to Rayla Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. Again, Willie Gibson sitting in for Ray along with Jeffrey Helms. We will take a break in, in a moment. We'll be right back with you on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Perfect time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Yeah! 
Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. I am Willie Gibson again sitting with Ray, sitting for Ray with Jeffrey Helms. Uh, we've been discussing the Colin Kaepernick Nike ad campaigns, backlash, um, protests, all wrapped into one. But one, one thing, and I know we said we would move on, but I've got to bring this in. I know we talked about it, alluded to it earlier, uh, Jeffrey, but the kneeling. The kneeling, the the the, the uh, angst that Colin Kaepernick's kneeling has caused for many people, and again, going back to the to the to the beginning of the of the story and the beginning of this protest, he was sitting, he was sitting, he was sitting for the national yeah. anthem, and he met with uh, former Seattle Seahawks free safety Nate Boyer, and had a conversation with him, and Nate Boyer. Allow him a, a, a opposing um, view of the situation and said, "Hey, I think the best way to respectfully protest the national anthem is to take a knee." Now, to most people, you hear like, "Well, why is he talking to free, you know, Seattle Seahawks free safety Nate Boyer?" Well, the, the the what that entails and the, the the significance of that is. Nate Boyer, former Seattle Seahawks free safety, is also an Army Green Beret, a veteran. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick spoke with and that advised him that instead of sitting, the most appropriate, most respectful way to protest the national anthem would be to take a knee. So for everyone that's that's espousing and, and spewing that Colin Kaepernick hates the military, hates the country. He took the advice of an, of an army green beret in which he used to take a knee. So I, I just wanted to make sure we got that out, Jeffrey. I know we said we're moving on and, and we will still do so, but I think that portion of the narrative needs to be spoken because as we said throughout this conversation today, it's like people take the pieces and the points of the narrative that best fit their argument, their side, their viewpoint, and use those, and not necessarily the entire the, the 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 entirety of the narrative. So I think that's important that it was actually upon the advice of a Army Green Beret, a veteran, that Colin Kaepernick decided to take a knee during the national anthem. Yes, yeah, like you said, people automatically just want to see controversy. And they only want to see the negative. They don't want to, like I said, dig deeper into the what's going on. And so that kind of plays to what Nike does, because Nike has always been controversial. And because if you go back to like the '90s, I believe with Charles Barkley with the "I'm Not a Role Model" ad, and so playing to the villain aspect, and LeBron did that as well. So Nike kind of played along with that, even though it's not fully. Not not really being fully knowledgeable about it, like I said, people always just want to just dive to the to the negative immediately because that seems easier to do. Exactly, and in in the interest of full disclosure, uh, Jeffrey, I am wearing Nikes today. Uh, I will not be burning burning any Nikes today, nor at any other point. I will uh, 
continue to purchase Nike internationally. If, if, the, if the stock price continues to go down, I will consider purchasing some Nike stock. So just to, just to pull this close, uh, I'll make sure. I'm sorry. I said, absolutely. I'm, I got some Nike shorts on right now, too. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if the if the stock price will continue to plummet, now I don't wish that I don't wish any ill will on on Phil Knight or Nike or that corporation. I have a, a, a very uh, good friend of mine from college that that's employed by Nike. Uh, shout out to Gian Allen. But uh, I, I will definitely uh, continue to support Nike, I will continue to um, monitor the stock price, and if it continues to uh, decrease, I will consider buying that stock as well. But again, we said we will move on, and, and, and we will uh, get into some on-the-field activities, going to the college football round and the preseason number one, and actually the AP poll came out about two and a half hours ago, and uh, they're not just the preseason number one. They remain number one through the first week of play, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They uh, put a nice little uh, beat down on the Louisville Cardinal, Cardinals, the Stanford Cardinals, Louisville Cardinals. But uh, they put a nice little uh, uh, defeat upon them. I believe it was 51-24. And uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, the two-year starter, uh, two-year starter in a national championship game for the uh, Alabama team did not start. It was, uh, I'll respectfully call him by his first name, Tua, and not attempt to butcher his last name, the quarterback for Alabama that started, number 13, and he was was fine. He, he, he had a, a great game. But throughout the season, oh, yeah. preseason, summer camps, um, you were saying, Jeffrey? Oh, I'll just agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Nick Saban, refused to name a starter. He said, I will not name a starter. And, and actually, you brought this to my attention uh, throughout our discussions, Jeffrey, about uh, pregame. And I'll let you uh, explain to you know how he kind of alluded to if you really paid attention, what his plans were in his pregame interview. Yeah, because during the pregame, now the journalists and commentators have the ability to talk to the coaches right before kickoff. And so I believe, I think it was Maria Taylor that interviewed him. I'm not 100% sure. But, of course, she was asking the, the main question, who's going to start, who are we going to see out first? And so he said... If you can just wait 13 seconds, then you'll see who the starter is. 13 so seconds. Me being using my journal, the journalism kind of kicked in. I was like 13. Why would you say 13, not 10 or 30 seconds? So 13, I can wonder who's number 13 is. So then he kind of tells you who it is in the answer right there. Right. 13. And Tua, if my recollection serves me properly, is number 13. So you're right. You're right you there. said that. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. I saw exactly what you meant and where he was going with that. So we, we so that kind of gives you the landscape, kind of sets the stage for uh, what he does post game. And uh, post game, I think 
you know, I, I'll always side with the journalists. Well, no, I won't. I, I won't always side with the journalists, but in most respects, I, as a journalist myself, I, I, I understand. I understand. So in this case, to see Nick Saban at the end of the game, the question was very, very appropriate. What did you see from both of your quarterbacks? A very appropriate question. I don't see any issue with the question that Maria Taylor asked him. There was, and he goes ballistic about. I'm not going to say bad anything bad about either guy. You keep asking me and can't asking me and keep asking me and keep asking me. You want to say something bad about these guys? I'm not going to do it. So quit asking. And it's like, come on, man. I mean, very, very, very inappropriate. Now, the backlash that he's gotten is very appropriate and, and very, uh, I think, deserved. Because the, the question was, again, it was a, you just played two quarterbacks. You benched your quarterback that started two national championship games in the second half of which at halftime of a national championship game, and he doesn't start tonight, but he plays. Now, what, what was inappropriate about what did you see from your quarterbacks? And so for him to, to re- react and respond uh, the way that he did, I think was highly inappropriate. Um, not just the fact that he was addressing a female reporter. I mean, Maria Taylor is a reporter. She does a phenomenal job. She's top-notch, uh, top of her profession. So I don't, I don't want to um, belittle her credentials by you know, calling to question, calling to the fact that she's a female reporter. If if Todd McShay had been that reporter, um, it was an appropriate response because the question was appropriate. So, uh, Jeffrey, give us your thoughts on that. I kind of see, I can see both sides to it. From the journalism perspective, you are, it's your job to ask those kind of questions and to ask the tough questions even though necessarily that question wasn't categorized as a tough question, it's a question that you're going to ask. Like you said, you, you play two quarterbacks in the game, and that's not a common thing to do because you, you stick with one quarterback. And so for her to ask that question, it is a legitimate, like, okay question to ask. And he did kind of go off, and it was a little bit uncalled for. But to that point, you kind of he kind of has to understand Nick Saban, and that that's how he is. Like he does that with any kind of reporter, any kind of journalist. Who, it doesn't matter who it is. That's just the kind of guy he is. And so the way he responded, it wasn't really shocking to me because of how much he's been asked that question. And I know being a coach, you have to deal with that. And it's not like like you told me like it's not my job to answer the question for you. It's like it's your job to figure out how to answer the question. Like I'm not telling you what to say. I'm just trying to get get your opinion on it. And so I can I don't know what who's to say what side I would be on because being that I've seen him have to answer that question so many times, so many times, so many times. After a while, you can like lose your patience because after any kind of game Nick Saban, he's always not in a good mood because he knows the guys can always play better. 
So he wasn't in a good mood to begin with. And so asking that question kind of like took him over the edge. All right. We're up against the break, so we're going to get out of here on this. But I, before we take a break, I'm going to ask a question first to ponder during the break. You mentioned that's how Nick Saban is. And, and then we know that's how he is. I would ask the question, is that how Nick Saban is? Or is that how we've allowed him to be? And we'll ponder that. Again, we'll take this break right here. We are listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. Willie Gibson sitting there for Ray Ellis, along with Jeffrey Helms. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right. Back with us here on Rail of Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. Again, Willie Gibson sitting there. For Ray Ellis, along with Jeffrey Helms, we're discussing college football and the story of the week, so to speak, as uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban and his response to Maria Taylor in a post-game interview. And I asked the question uh, before the break to kind of ponder is, is that how Nick Saban is? And we've heard that, you know, that's just how Nick Saban is. It's just, that's just how he is. It's just, you know, his personality is abrasive. He's abrupt. He's gruff. He's this. He's that. Is is that how he truly is, or is that how is that how we've allowed him to be? Because no one has ever said anything to him to say, "Look, it's inappropriate." That may not be the best way to handle that. And I think it's because he's the coach of one of the preeminent college football programs in America. You know, is there uh, a level of fear that? your access may get cut off to that team if you say something to him, or is it a situation where you know you may you don't think there's any issue with what he's doing. But I, I know Jeffrey, I'll be I'll I'll put out I'll, I'll throw it to you. You know, you tell me and I, I don't know. I just I just don't I just don't I'm not a, a huge proponent of well that's just how someone is. Uh, no, that's just not how someone is. I think if 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 it's a situation where something is brought to their attention and, and you know, it, it can be corrected, it can be dealt with 
and 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 we can move forward. But what are your thoughts? I think in this situation, that's Nick, that Nick Saban being Nick Saban. As far as everybody else, that can apply because with certain situations, people do act a certain way based on how they are allowed by other people to act. But with Nick Saban, I know just from on the outside looking in, seeing him interact with players and interact with media, he has this very strong and dominant personality about him because I remember when he was coaching the Miami Dolphins first stint, he went off on a, a grown man and brought him to tears just because of how fiery he is. And I know there are people in his circle, so to say, like his PR team for Alabama that tell him, okay, there are certain stuff that you can't, you have to talk to people a certain way. And they do check him a little bit to an extent, but at the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do because Nick Saban's not a coach or a guy that'll conform to change a lot because he's going. To, he's setting his way, so to say, because if you look at Alabama, they've been the same way for I don't know how long. They have the same jerseys, same helmets, everything, no color rush judges or anything like that. And I think that's how Nick Saban is because there's, Nothing really, not really negative to say about how he is. That's just how he is as a coach, in my opinion. Understood. Understood. So I know he did have a press conference, uh, I believe yesterday, <clears throat> pardon me, yesterday. It did announce that uh, Tua would be the starter. And that way he said, now you know, now we know. And then there's no further question. So you know, Tua is now the starter. And it goes back to um, Jalen Hurts, now his previous starter. Um, where does that leave him? You know, he's now, uh, he started for two years, took him to two national championship games, and now he's the backup. Now, there's been much speculation on his future. Uh, he does graduate in December, which I do want to uh, commend him for because we do a lot of times forget that these are student athletes, emphasis on student athlete, not just athletes. So for him to uh, leave the University of Alabama with his degree in December is is a phenomenal feat, probably more something more impressive than the national championships. So uh, Jalen Hurts will have two years of eligibility remaining you know, what does this leave uh, him as as a player, as quarterback on the field? He's a Jalen Hurts is a beast. He's already gotten Alabama two national championships, and so the whole thing with two. I don't. I think that Jalen Hurts should have been the starter because it's kind of you kind of put Tua in the easy situation because. Georgia, they were already prepared to defend against Jalen Hurts, who is a run-dominant quarterback. And then you throw in Tua, who that Georgia has prepared for, who's a throwing quarterback. Obviously, he's going to pick apart the defense because they're not prepared for Tua, and they haven't seen him on film at all. So I think with what Nick Saban said, they're going to utilize Hurts the way with his skill set, which, which they will benefit the team as best possible. 
So I think that's just a way of him saying Jalen Hurts will probably be gone next year, just letting you know what saying, telling you without telling you. Exactly. So to to quote um, the late Craig Mack, he won't be around next year because um, he. I mean, as you said, phenomenal talent. Phenomenal talent. Um, I mean, of course, he's phenomenal talent. He the quarterback at the University of Alabama. Um, not the yeah. passer. Pardon, not the passer that that Tua is, but he definitely has a, a, a unique skill set that he can. He is a passer, and he also has the dynamic of being a runner as well. Not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback that can run. But um, I definitely believe um, there can be a scenario. We're seeing this uh, quite a bit here recently that uh, quarterbacks do retire or, pardon me, graduate with two years remaining, uh, two years of eligibility remaining. And they move on, uh, a la uh, Joe Burrow, now a uh, former Ohio State quarterback who graduated in three years and now transferred to LSU and started uh, Sunday night in Jerry World against uh, Miami. Had a decent game. Had a decent game. Uh, LSU, um, I don't know what that told me about either team. I don't know if LSU is that good or if Miami is that bad or was it uh, just opening game jitters or, or what have you? But uh, that scenario is, is becoming more and more prevalent. I believe they said it's uh, 24 quarterbacks or 24 players that have uh, completed that graduate transfer uh, since it, it began in 2006. So, uh, you know, here we are in a scenario where in week two, you know, we're looking at as, as a situation where it could occur again. And now, as well with the new quarterback, or I'm sorry, the new uh, redshirt rule with you can play up to four games in redshirt. Does Jalen Hurts consider that? Does he go to Nick Saban and say, hey, I want three years of eligibility remaining. I need you to redshirt me after four games so I can go somewhere else and play three more years. Yeah, that's that's a huge, huge game changer because you could, I mean, if Nick Saban did go to throw, he could like run Jalen Hurts into the ground and then transfer, just get everything out of him. I mean, that's kind of dirty, but that is something that he could possibly do. But with the red shirt thing, that's a huge game changer to have that much eligibility left over after having get getting a decent amount of playing time in the season before you leave or have to sit. Right, and even with freshmen, I mean, we, we saw um, throughout college football this past weekend, number of true freshmen get a great deal of play time and they conceivably can play four games in a highly unlikely this, this scenario would occur, but you can have a let's say a true freshman running back run for a thousand yards in four games and then redshirt and have four more years of eligibility remaining. So, now, again, that's very, very, very highly unlikely that that scenario would occur. But it is interesting now that that, that rule has been changed to now allow for uh, players to get four games of, of game experience, in, which is crucial um, for um, a team. And then 
take the red shirt and still have their full complement of four years of eligibility remaining. But, you know, it remains to be seen how that will work out, among other things uh, that has changed in, in the world of college football. But stick with us here at Rail of Sports. We'll get into all of that uh, for you and with you uh, throughout the year. But our time for today is up. Again, thank you, uh, Ray Ellis, for allowing me to fill in uh, for him. Uh, Ray will be back soon. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey Helms, for joining me today, providing uh, phenomenal insight, as you always do. And again, you are listening. You have been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Radio Network. That does conclude today's show. And as always, as Ray closes, we will talk to you the next time, which will be the best time. you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.